Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Get the scene. Jesus is sitting there teaching, and the roof is, and the room is packed. And then all of a sudden, the roof, the ceiling, dust starts coming down. Right in the middle of the Bible study. And Jesus is sitting there covered in dust. There's this hole in the ceiling. And then these four guys, Mo, Larry, Curly, and Shemp, <laughs> look down through the hole. They're looking down. Jesus is down there. He's covered in dust. And they look down, all four heads, you know that scene, all four heads looking down. Jesus looks up at them, and, and, and the guy on the stretcher, he's probably thinking, can't we just come back tomorrow? This is not good. This cannot be good. And so they lower the man right down. Hey, listen, they lower the man right down in the face of Jesus, right in front of Jesus. Can you, oh, what I wouldn't give to have a DVD of this scene. They lower him down right in the face of Jesus. The man probably looked at Jesus and probably said, hey, how you doing? (laughs) This was not my idea. I want you to know this was not my idea. But I love this story because, listen, it shows us, and if you're taking notes, you could write this down. It shows us faith that is creative to get people to Jesus. And I'm sure the religious people, remember the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, the scribes are there. I'm sure they're standing there and they're not excited that these people had creative faith. These men had creative faith and they desired to get them before Jesus. They don't care anything about that. They're probably thinking, man, I just got this robe out of the cleaners and now they got dust all over it. That's what they're probably thinking. They're probably thinking who's going to fix the roof, although the roof doesn't even belong to them. It's not even their roof. But that's how religious people are. But these guys, they had creative faith. Saints, we need to have creative faith. We need to do whatever we need to do to get people to Jesus. That's why we do a fall fest, by the way. That's why we go to India, by the way. That's why we have England mission trips, by the way. That's why we do anything we can, because the purpose, the point, is to get people to Jesus. You know what the fall fest every year? You guys been to the fall fest? Just by round of applause. Who's been to the fall fest? And it's wonderful. You know, there are thousands of people here. Literally, we're backing up traffic around here. And we, during the Fall Fest, at a certain point in the Fall Fest, we shut all the rides down and folks get angry. I've been waiting in this line for 45 minutes. Now y'all shut it down. Because we try to get everybody to go up to the main field because on the stage, that's where I will be preaching the gospel. 
It is important that everything that we do, we do it for the glory of God, and we do it that people might be able to come to Jesus. Creative ways in getting people to Jesus. The religious people saw a fiasco. Jesus saw faith. Did you get that verse 20? Go ahead and peek at it. Let me see the tops of your head. Go ahead and peek at it. Jesus saw, in verse 20, Jesus saw their faith Jesus didn't say, what are you guys doing tearing up this roof of this man's house? What do you think you're doing interrupting this Bible study? Jesus saw their faith. Now listen, look at me. How do you see faith? How do you see faith? James said, we see faith by works. James said, we see faith by works. And it's interesting that Jesus, watch this, you're going to love this. Jesus didn't see the faith of the paralytic man. Jesus saw the faith of the four faithful friends. And Jesus then looked at the paralytic and said, man, your sins are forgiven. He did not see the faith of the paralytic. The paralytic did not have any faith. All he had was a stretcher that he was laying on. I tell you that to tell you this. Watch this. There are some people who tell you that if you have enough faith, you can be healed. If you have enough faith, you can be healed. Brother, you need to believe God. Brother, you need to name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. And God will heal you, brother. Can I tell you something? Listen, God will heal you if God chooses to heal you. And all of that, we call that, listen, here's your word for the day. We call that the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty means that God does whatever he pleases. And God does not need your faith in order to do a particular work. Somebody say amen. Because in the church today, there's so many people putting so much emphasis and might I add burden on the people to believe God. You must believe God and you must believe God. And if you don't believe God, then God cannot act. Listen, don't flatter yourself. God's not waiting on you. That's the best I can do with that. God's not waiting on you. God does not need your help. If God needed something, he wouldn't ask you. Well, God's waiting on my faith. No, he isn't. Now, now, without faith, yes, it is impossible to please God. Don't get that wrong. Should we have faith? Absolutely. But we see the case here where this paralytic, he wasn't the one with the faith. When Jesus saw their faith, if you're taking notes, their refers to the friend's. When Jesus saw the friend's faith, then he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the friends, they're probably thinking, no, Jesus, not the sins, the legs, not the sins, the legs, man. We came for the legs, not the sin. (laughs) We kind of fleshy like that, though, aren't we? You know, we, we want to be healed. We're talking about the outward. Jesus, notice Jesus does what no man can do. Jesus does what no person can do. Jesus does what no pastor can do. Jesus does what no denomination can do. What is that, Rodney? Glad you asked. Jesus and Jesus alone can forgive sin. Now I want you to clap your hands. Would you do that? And that's true. No one can forgive sin. Jesus and only Jesus can 
forgive sin. Acts chapter 4, I think of verse 12, write that down. Acts 4 verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men where we must be saved. And of course, you remember John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, somebody help me, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. The man came for healing, and Jesus gave him forgiveness. And as bad as it was to be paralyzed, it is infinitely worse to be lost in your sin. And so Jesus looked at the man and he says, your greatest need isn't healing. Your greatest need is forgiveness. Our greatest need is forgiveness. Our greatest need is forgiveness. Did you hear me? Our greatest need is forgiveness. Our greatest need is not a turnaround in our economy. I need more than two people to say amen. Don't misunderstand me. Please don't get this wrong. I'd like to see a turnaround in the economy as well. I want to be blessed. I want to prosper. But I understand that my blessings and my prosperity have nothing to do with the economy. My blessing, my blessing and my prosperity come from the Lord. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Never worry about that. I don't care how bad things get. Rodney going to (laughs) eat. Did you hear me? If you heard me, wave at me. Wave at me. I'm going to eat because God's taking care of me. So I understand that this country's greatest need is not a turn in the economy. Our country's greatest need and your greatest need and every man's greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. God is always looking out for our greatest need and that be forgiveness. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. And what's his name, saints? This name is Jesus. You got that. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to reason. Matthew tells us within themselves. In other words, they weren't talking out loud. They were thinking internally. Who does this guy think he is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? Well, listen, they're right. Nobody can forgive sin but God. The problem is they didn't know that it was God who was saying your sins are forgiven. So Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said in verse 22, why are you reasoning in your hearts? And then in verse 23 through 26, we talked about it. We just read it. Jesus traps the trappers. I love this. They were trying to catch Jesus in a mistake, but now they're dumbfounded. Jesus looked at their hard, critical, unbelieving hearts, and he gave them a test. He said, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? Well, both are easy to say, and both are equally impossible to do, unless you are God. Both are easy to say, but only one can be verified, and that's rise up and walk. You see, you can say your sins are forgiven, but how would you know that really happened? But if I walk up to a lame man and I say, hey, lame man, get up and walk, and he does, then you will know right away that I have the power to heal and to forgive sins. 
So in order to convince the Jews that he had the power to forgive sins, Jesus healed the man. He got up and the bed that once carried him, he is now carrying, walking. What did the scene look like? Of these five men, four came carrying one, and now they're all walking together, probably jumping, leaping, crying, laughing, hugging each other. The lame man is probably like pinching himself and probably giving one of his friends a pin and say, yeah, stick it in me, man. Yeah, stick it in me. I can feel it. Yeah, praise God, I'm getting stuck. What did it look like? What was it like? For this lame man, for this paralytic man who never had feeling to now be able to feel. And now they leave, glorifying God, healed, whole, and forgiven. Do you know, listen, this is a picture of every single one of us this morning. Do you realize when you came into the world, you came into the world a paralytic? You came into the world unable to please God. The Bible says that we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You came into the world a sinner. That's dumbfounding to me. It really is, especially as a pastor. I visit the hospitals. I told you I visit often. Somebody has a baby. They call me if I can come to the hospital, pray for the baby. I like little babies. I like you little babies. I go to the hospital, pray for the baby. They, They go get the baby out the nursery. Pastor Rodney's here. Pick the baby up, holding the baby up. Cute little baby, I'm counting fingers and toes. It's cute little baby, cute little nose. You know, you do all the baby sounds, coo, 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 coo. And all of a sudden, it occurs to me, this baby's a sinner. <laughs> I don't know why it just occurs to me that way. Maybe because I'm spiritual like that. I don't know. But I'm looking at the baby, I'm going, man, this baby is a sinner. It's hard to believe. The baby hasn't done anything. How could it be a sinner? Baby hasn't done anything. Listen, you're not a sinner because you've done something. You're a sinner because you're born that way. It's called a nature, a sin nature. So you come into the world unable to please God with this sin nature. One day you ask the Lord to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins and you are forgiven. And then the Bible tells us in Psalm 103, verse 12, it tells us as far as the east is from the west, so shall thy sin be far from me. You ever read the Bible and there's a verse that kind of pops out to you and you go, I've I've been reading the Bible for 20 years. I've never seen that verse there before. Well, that happened to me last week. I read this verse. I found this verse in Job chapter 14, verse 17. I had never seen this verse before. It's a great verse. It's Job 14, 17. And it says this, listen. My transgression is sealed up in a bag, and you cover my iniquity. I've never seen that verse. As far as the east is from the west, so shall your sin be far from me. And then Job says, my sin is sealed up in a bag, and you cover it in the Hebrew language. I had to look up that word. In the Hebrew language, that word literally means to plaster over. God plasters over our iniquity. God has forgiven us and covered us of our sin. And as far as the east is from the west, notice David does not say, are you listening? David does not say as far as the north is from the south. 
He says, so shall my sin be far from you. He says, as far as the east is from the west. Why? Because there is distance. Did you know? There is distance of 8,000 miles between the north and the south. If you travel north to the North Pole, when you get there and you continue, you will find yourself going south. From south to north is 8,000 miles. But from east to west, there is no distance. Thank God David didn't say, as far as the north is from the south, so shall your sin be far from me. Thank God he didn't say that. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want my sin forgiven for 8,000 miles. Anybody, somebody, anybody, I want to be forgiven forever. I want to be forgiven forever. He says, as far as the east is from the West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then finally, guys, let's go back to verse 24. Jesus said, this was done that you might know the healing of the paralytic was done that you might know that the Son of Man has a power to forgive sin. You know what I have written in my Bible next to verse 24? Grace. This is grace. Why did the man on the stretcher or what did the man on the stretcher do to have his sins forgiven? Nothing. He did nothing. You know, there's some people who say you have to work for your salvation. Can I tell you something? You don't have to sell enough magazines door to door. And you don't have to clock enough miles on your bike wearing a suit and a tie. See, you can say stuff without saying stuff. Are y'all, y'all understanding what stuff I'm trying to say? It's a lot of stuff. Or you don't have to crawl on your knees to a statue until your knees and your toes bleed. And you don't have to light enough candles and say enough prayers and burn enough incense. There is nothing you could do to earn forgiveness. Listen, if you hear nothing I've said this morning, hear this. Our relationship with God and our forgiveness is all about what he has done and not about what we do. You got to hear me. Not about what we do. You have nothing to do with it. Now, listen, we got to understand something. Does that mean that we should go out and sin it up? No. Paul anticipated people thinking that way in Romans chapter 6. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Perish the thought. God forbid. No, we shouldn't do that. When you really understand grace, people are afraid to teach grace because they don't understand it. When you really understand grace, grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. When you understand God's riches at Christ's expense, it doesn't make you want to go out and sin. It makes you want to go to church and love him more. It makes you want to worship him more. It makes you want to serve him more when you understand grace. Now, if you don't understand grace, you'll think, oh, well, you know what? I'm forgiven. Salvation had nothing to do with me anyway. It had everything to do with him. I'm saved and I'm going to go out and sin it up. Nope then you don't understand grace. When you truly understand grace, you'll love God more and you won't want to sin. And what will happen is you'll get so busy serving God and furthering the work of the kingdom, you'll be too busy to sin. Did you know you could get too busy to sin? That's why a pastor keeps himself busy. <laughs> Amen. All right. Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy, but it's okay. Jesus forgave the man and he told him, get up and carry your bed. And when everyone saw it, they were amazed and they glorified God and they were filled with fear. And they said, well, that's interesting. This is a strange thing that has happened. 
It is a strange thing. These four faithful friends. The Bible has a lot to say about friends. You should do a study on that. The Bible has a lot to say about friends. In, in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Psalm 18, 24, a man who has friends must first himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What's his name, my people? His name is Jesus. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you want friends, you got to show yourself friendly. Some of y'all thinking, I don't have any friends. Well, that's because you mean. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. That's because you just, you just mean. Stop being so mean. Stop looking so mean. Put a smile on your face. Well, Pastor, I came to that church. Somebody told me this one time. I really didn't believe him because I know this church. They told me one time, they said, I came to the church and I stood in the lobby and I stood there for a long time and no one in that church came up and spoke to me. Nobody spoke to me. I couldn't believe it. Nobody spoke to me. I said, really? I said, well, were you looking like you look now? (laughs) I was having a bad day, okay. I said, well, I mean, honestly, if you're standing there like, yo, I dare you to speak to me. I'll chew your head off. I'll chew your head off. I'll pee the fool. I'll pee the fool. I'll chew your head off. Well, nobody's going to come and say hi to you. Of course. You want friends? You got to be friendly. But you got to also understand there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus. And we can go to him even in our paralytic state. We can go to him with all of our problem, with all of our baggage, with all of our situations, with all of our illnesses, with all of our sicknesses. We can go to him. And sometime, sometime you get to a place or you meet a person who's at a place where they can't go to him themselves. Well, then Mr. Christian, Mrs. Spiritual Christian, then it's your responsibility to take him by the hand and say, I'll take you to Jesus. I'll go with you to Jesus. Let's go together. That's what we do. That's faithful friendship. That's love for your brothers, love for your sisters. Sometimes you get so weak or Satan has beat you down so bad. I know it's happened to me. Let me tell you, it's happened to me. And you know what? It's my wife who said, come on, let me pray for you. Sometimes you can't even pray for yourself. Bring your friends to church. You know, I'm not a big bring the people to church person. I'm not a big advertising person. Y'all know that. I'm not into all that. I, y'all don't see there's no billboards out on the 440 with me and Elvira's face on it. Y'all don't. I don't know. Why, why is that so funny? Y'all just like, ah. I'm not into all that. I just, you know, I think that if I just teach the word, you guys are healthy sheep. Healthy sheep reproduce healthy sheep. If I teach you the word, you'll go out and get your friends and bring them to church. You know, don't bring them to church to get saved because you can lead them to Christ right where you are. You bring them to church for fellowship. Hmm? They need Jesus. They need Jesus right where they are because you could be trying to bring them to church and they could die between here and church. I mean, between there and church. You got to leave them the Lord right where they are. They come to church not to be saved. And I think we got that messed up in our minds. We think that church is the place to get saved. Church isn't the place to get saved. Keep in mind, the early church, you weren't even at church if you weren't already saved. 
Church isn't a place to get saved. Church is a place to find brothers and sisters of like mind. So you lead them to the Lord and you bring them to church. And I believe that if I just teach the word of God, which is what I've been trying to do for 14 years, is just teach the people the word of God, get you excited about what God has to say, get you excited about how much God loves you. And that's all I need to do. And you will go and you'll tell people, you got to come hear this. You got to come here, not here, Rodney, but you got to come here about the love that God has for you. That's what we're to do. And that's how the church should grow. And that's how the church should blossom and bloom because people are bringing other people. Do what you got to do, even if it's a little inconvenient for you. I'm coming in for a landing. Even if it's a little inconvenient for you, get done what you got to do. Go get them if you have to. Get up early, leave early, drive across town, put them in the car and bring them to church because they need to be fed the word of God. People need fellowship. People need Jesus. People need to be in the house of the Lord. Isn't that right? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.